evening, Psalm chapter 66. Miss Ellen and Miss Karen had a question for me for church. It's a fair question. Miss Ella, through laughter, said, um, So, are we still having a crash course or has it turned into a series? I guess the best answer I can give for that is we're having another crash course. Psalm chapter 66 in your Bibles this evening, Psalm chapter 66. This subject of music is such an important one within the Christian realm. And really, two weeks is not enough to do it justice. But the longer you're around in, uh, or longer, the longer you're around church and the longer you're in your Bible, the more of these principles you'll learn and the more of these things you'll understand over time. The goal is to try to give as much as possible and point us in the right direction personally and corporately as a ministry. I hope that through this study you will see the biblical application and the practical application to these things in our lives. Psalm chapter 66 and verse number 1. The Bible says here, Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name. Make His praise, what's this? Glorious. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall, what? And shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Selah. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please guide and direct in the service this evening and help. Lord, you know my greatest desire is for your Holy Spirit to be evident and to be able to move. Help me not to say or do anything that would quench or grieve your spirit. Please speak and do a mighty work. Holy Spirit, this is your service. This is your, uh, I am your preacher. These are your people. And I pray that this would be your work. Please remove me out of the equation. Take me out of the way, Lord. I, I yield myself to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. Some of us could certainly say that we have heard a lot of debates about what is appropriate Christian music over the years. Some churches are afraid to deal with the subject. Some churches totally avoid the subject. I believe that each generation needs to hear biblically what it is that we need to be using as principles for our music. Last week we spent some time uh, diving into the different origins of music. Now, we gave some of the biblical origins of music and the biblical purposes of music. And then we looked at some of the worldly origins of music and some of the uh, worldly purposes behind music. Now, I do want to say this before I go any further. Uh, we talked about rock music and some of the, uh, the, the originators of that, that way of singing and that way of music. Uh, but some of those statements that were made last week, they don't apply to every type of music that comes from the world, but clearly that kind of music that 
is of that way, has horrible intentions, and they know exactly what they're doing. We, we melted that also in many churches across the world with a so-called Christian rock music or contemporary Christian music or country Christian music or whatever you want to call it. And many have ignorantly, or maybe not so ignorantly, used the processes of the worldly music philosophies to then try to raise up churches filled with people that are coming largely for the purpose of the music and of the songs. I have seen good people pulled out of good churches largely because another church has a good, not a good preacher, not good doctrine, not a good children's program, not the right direction, but instead good music. I have had many people tell me over the years, I go to that church because they have, not because I'm being fed by the Word of God, not because I'm growing in the Lord. I go to that church because they have good music. You've heard it too. You've tried to witness to people and, and, and invite them to church. And they say, you know what, I might do that someday, but boy, I sure do love the music at my church, and I don't know if we can top that anywhere. Now, I'm not saying that good music at church is wrong. For some reason, some churches seem to have taken it upon themselves to supply the worst music they possibly can and call that spiritual. I don't believe churches should have bad music in order to be godly, and hopefully we will see a balanced approach to these things uh, for our ministry and for us personally. So... We looked at a lot of the origins of music. We looked at a lot of the shocking statements that were made by the originators of some of the world's music. And we even saw somebody like Plato, remember, who said, who was a great philosopher who lived hundreds of years ago, I care not who writes the laws of the country if you will let me write the music. Music controls it connects to a part of the human spirit and, and the human inner man that nothing else can in any other way. And it has been used as a vehicle, as we saw Jimi Hendrix said, that you can put people in a trance through the music and then preach to them the words of the philosophies you want them to receive. And unfortunately, some churches, have, some churches have adopted these same philosophies and they literally put people in a trance while they then sing words and do what they call worship that is really intended for something else. It should be our goal as Christians to enjoy music, to rejoice with music, to worship the Lord with music, and I will show you this here in a little bit, I believe even to enjoy music sometimes that is not of a biblical or doctrinal nature. But it has to be the right kind and for the right reasons and with the right purposes. But anyway, music was made so that it was originally intended so that man would worship God with it. That was its original biblical origin, and that should be the overall overbearing focus of the Christian's music philosophy. Is everybody okay? Now then, how does this all apply to the Christians? So tonight, we're going to get more into the practical side of this. So, I want to say this. When it comes to music, it's one of those issues that there are certain passages of Scripture that clearly speak about music. And then, this is one of those, those Christian issues that there are principles to be gleaned from other passages in the Bible that don't necessarily deal with music, 
but they give you guidelines that will clearly apply to music. Are you with me? And this is true of a lot of things in the Christian life, not just music, where there are some things that aren't directly named in the Word of God, but that by learning certain principles, those principles can be applied to that subject also. Is everybody okay? And so one of those is music. Now, there are some passages, as we said, that clearly identify and speak of music its, itself. So we're going to look at a few that may or may not directly uh, speak of music and others that would uh, possibly deal with issues surrounding that concept of music that will hopefully give us some biblical musical principles, biblical music principles to apply to our lives in a practical way. So first of all, uh, how does this apply to the Christian? I want us to look at a few things regarding the kind of music we should listen to, the kind of music we should sing, the kind of instruments we should play, and how all of that should be done. We're going to, as fast as we can, crash course through this also this evening. So, let's go back through and also hit some new biblical music principles for those three categories of the Christian life. Listening, singing, and playing certain types of music. So, there are some questions and some statements that should be made from the Word of God for every Christian regarding how do these principles apply to the Christian. Number one, does it give honor to God and would he be pleased with it? Does it give honor to God and would he be pleased with it? Let's look over there again, if you would please, at... Oh, I want to look at both of them. Ephesians chapter number 5, and let's look at verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, the Bible says here, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then, what comes after that? If a person is filled with the Spirit, we are, first of all, I believe, commanded to do some things, but second of all, I believe, if you're truly filled with the Spirit, some of these things will just come out of you. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in what? Psalms and what? Hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the what? Now, I believe if a person is filled with the Holy Spirit that there will be a song given to them by the Lord. For He hath put a new song in my heart or in my mouth. I believe that He will do that. That when you're filled with the Spirit, that He will also put good music in your heart. You will occasionally just wake up singing good songs or throughout the course of the day. Well, sometimes you just wake up grumpy, but sometimes you could just be going through the day and when you're truly filled with the Spirit, something happens and you just start singing a song and you don't even realize you're doing it, it just happens. Are you with me? I believe that's one of the signs of being filled with the Spirit. But I believe also music should be used to speak to ourselves. And the Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. The kind of music you listen to will speak to you. Good music or bad music, either way, it is conveying a message to you that is speaking to you. Just like the world knows, God knows. Are you with me? 
I mentioned this last week, that if you're struggling in your spirit and discouraged and depressed, the right kind of music can speak to you. The right kind of music can encourage you. The right kind of music can, I believe, create an environment that pushes the demons away. Dead serious about that. Study that for yourself. Determine what you believe, but I happen to believe it. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And there is defined for us the kind of music that you should speak to yourself with. Yes? What are psalms? What are psalms? All right, good. Scripture or, I know, I know this is a really tough question, psalms. Go to the book of Psalms. You know, that book is filled up with songs that were written specifically uh, for the purpose of giving glory and honor to God. We started our service with a psalm. All right, good. Wonderful. One of you remembered where we were. All right, good. Psalm chapter 66 is where we began our service this evening. Now, we don't know the, the music that was put to those songs. I, I think probably we're going to hear it in heaven. I, I believe so. And I look forward to hearing how some of that goes. And I get the feeling Jimmy won't be playing the guitar to it. But there were instruments used throughout the Scriptures. And just probably not the electric guitar. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now we know what hymns are. Of course, those are, are songs that were not necessarily the psalms, but songs that are also written doctrinally correct and with the intention of giving glory and honor to God. And then those hymns would not be biblical songs. Every so often in uh, Sunday school, what I mean by that is not biblical passages. Every so often in Sunday school, we will sing a song that is a, a tune put to specific Bible verses. But there are also hymns that are not, are not quotations of the Word of God, but it is music that was put to a song that is biblically and doctrinally correct. It's just not necessarily a Bible passage. Is everybody with me? So hymns specifically and psalms and spiritual songs. So the kind of songs that we listen to should be spiritual songs. Now then, the Bible says singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If the only way you can make melody because you don't know how to make melody is to do it in your heart, then still do it in your heart. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And what comes with it? Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I believe music should not only be uplifting to God, not only should it give honor and glory, uh, glory to His name, but it should often be very thankful. Man, some modern Christian music, it's like there's no real thankfulness in it. It's just like questions. And I, anyway, again, I don't have time to, to go down the road on all of this stuff. We've got to try to get through it. So, biblical music principles. Number one, does it give honor to God and would He be pleased? Can I ask you a question? Was He pleased with the music when He came down from the top of the mountain from re receiving the Ten Commandments? No. Clearly not pleased, right? He heard the singing. He saw the party, he saw the nakedness, and remember, certain types of music appeal to certain parts of you. Some will appeal to your flesh, some will appeal to your spirit, some will lead to the wrong things. If your music is the kind of music that when people are sitting in a crowd listening to it, they have less clothes on, there's probably something wrong. 
If the person on the stage has less clothes on, uh, probably the first sign something's off. And I'm not talking about just rock concerts and country music concerts. There are a bunch of churches that are putting people on their platforms that are taking their clothes off and wearing tight this and too short this and, and too revealing that and putting people up there who are singing about God. And I'm not thinking, I'm not sure why I'm thinking that maybe that's not a spiritually rooted song. If you can stand up there and try to appeal to the flesh in the way that you're dressing and then call it, try to call it spiritual music, I don't think it identifies the same way. Anyway, does it give honor to God and would He be pleased? Would He be pleased? Secondly, does it fulfill the lust of the flesh? Are you with me? Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16 says, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We just read how that walking in the Spirit brings the right kind of music into your life. And if you walk in the Spirit, you are not going to be listening to the kind of music that fulfills the lusts of the flesh. Is everybody okay? There is certain music in this world that all it does through its lyrics and the way it's being sung is it gives you a more carnal appetite. It leads you and points you to the wrong things in this world. And there are some spiritual songs, so-called, that do the very same thing. Because they sound so much like country music and they sound so much like rock music that they give you an appetite to go listen to country music or rock music. They appeal to the flesh. They fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me tell you, if the only thing you are getting out of your music is but it's talking about God, I'm not thinking you're having your spirit spoken to. Does it appeal to the flesh? Or does it appeal to the spirit? Number one, does it give honor to God and would He be pleased? Number two, does it fulfill the lust of the flesh? Or does it fulfill the hunger of the spirit? Is everybody okay? Next, can it be sung or listened to in fullness of the Spirit? If you're truly filled with the Spirit, you know, Brother Matt Stallman mentioned this after last week's uh, uh, service. He said, he said, you know, I, I really believe if somebody is, is trying to please God and trying to, to follow the will of God and trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life, the Holy Spirit will teach you. You'll know if what you're listening to is right or wrong. The question is, will you acknowledge what He's telling you? As a Christian, if you're truly trying to please the Lord, you know if it's right or not. For the most part. We have to be taught a few things, but for the most part, we know. Because the Holy Spirit of God teaches us those things, yes? We just did a, a series on the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God. He leads us and guides us in the truth. You cannot listen to some things without the Holy Spirit being grieved or quenched. Can it be sung or listened to in fullness of the Spirit? If you're truly filled with the Spirit, there are certain things that you cannot listen to. You won't be able to get away with it because God won't let you. Fourth, are you listening to it out of a love for the world or the things of the world? And does it create, as I said a moment ago, a stronger desire for the things of the world? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Yes? If it creates in you a, a stronger love for the things of the world, it's, it's creating the wrong thing. And... If you're listening to it out of a love for the things of this world. 
And the truth is, this kind of goes back to point number three. Can it be sung to, can it be sung or listened to in fullness of the Spirit? We know if we're in the flesh when we're listening to certain kinds of music. And we know what it's leading us to. You know, it's amazing. The lyrics of truly good, um, uplifting music that is biblically based is speaking of God, praise, biblical doctrines and things of that nature. But a lot of the music of the world is, is singing about stuff, possessions. Rap music is filled with nothing but getting and having and taking. Rock music is filled with nothing other than stuff like wickedness in your relationships, touching and a lot more wicked stuff than that. Country music is all about possessions and your relationships. And of course, we've all heard the way overused joke that uh, you know what you get back if you play country music backwards. You get your dog back, you get your truck back, you get your wife back, you get your house back. But they, 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 they sing about things of this world. Are you with me? And they uplift the things of this world. And they talk about the philosophies of this world. And if you listen to too much of the world's music, you begin to get a stronger taste and desire for not just the things of this world, but also getting your heart and mind pushed towards the philosophies of this world. Their philosophies concerning relationships, their philosophies concerning God, and boy are they warped concerning God. Um, number five, biblical music principles. Does it violate the conscience to listen to it? You see, there are some, shall we call them, gray areas of music. I kind of hate that term. But when you get in a situation where it's an I don't know kind of a thing, you, you have to listen to the Spirit. And I want to ask you, have you, have you ever done any studies throughout the course of your life, or have you heard stuff? Well, I, we did a small one, I guess, uh, since I've been here, and I'm sure you've been taught these things from the pulpit, but what is the Christian liberty, and how does that apply to the conscience and biblical principles? Uh, have we had any teaching here on, on uh, violation of your conscience versus the speaking of the Holy Spirit and all of that kind of stuff? Is everybody with me? Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Let's look at this one. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse number 7. First Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse number 7. The Bible says, Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. Did you see that word, conscience? For some with conscience of the idol, unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is what? Defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this, what? Liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are Weak. For if any man 
see thee which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the what? Conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And uh, through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish from whom, for whom Christ died? But when ye, so, uh, when ye sin so against the brethren, and wound their what? We conscience ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So there's one conscience mentioned here, and that is the conscience of somebody else. Does it violate the conscience of somebody else for you to be listening to that in their presence? Does it cause them to come to a stumbling block? I knew a, a, a young man who uh, was... Uh, talking to us about music one day, and he said, my parents listen to Southern Gospel music. <clears throat> he said, I cannot listen to Southern Gospel music because I love and have a taste for country music, and when I hear the Southern Gospel music that they listen to, it gives me a desire to listen to country music and causes me to begin to stumble in my appropriate music. Is everybody okay? So let's say it is your Christian liberty to listen to whatever kind of music you believe is biblically correct and the Holy Spirit gives you liberty to do so. And you genuinely believe it and you're genu genuinely convinced of it biblically, not by your feelings. And the Holy Spirit is not speaking to you uh, against those things and you're genuinely not feeling the pricking of the Holy Spirit against it. But you have somebody that gets in the car with you who is a new Christian, and they just came out of that stuff, and they hear the kind of music that you're listening to, what would it bring to their mind? Does it violate their conscience? The Bible also speaks about your conscience. If, if, if your conscience is affected, that's called the Holy Spirit of God. You know, look, the, the Holy Spirit speaks through our conscience. He speaks through our mind, not through our feelings. The world tries to appeal to our feelings. The Holy Spirit speaks to our conscience. So the question is, would it be a, what, does it violate the conscience? Number six, would it be a stumbling block to others, which we just covered? Number seven, I've got 23 of these, I'm almost done. Just kidding. <laughs> Just two more, that's all, just two more. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you would please, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, listen, as I said as we started the service, there may be other biblical principles that you run across and currently know or that you will learn over the course of time that can be applied to what is appropriate for the Christian. But these are just some that I think are the most obvious and hopefully some that will be the most practical and helpful to start with. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Abstain from what? All what? Appearance of evil. You listening to that music and watching it on Facebook through, you know, whatever worship group it is, can you tell a difference between their concert and the rock concert? If you can't, it has the appearance of evil. Hello? And I'll be honest with you, you go to the kind of church 
that turns the lights down everywhere else and puts the spotlights on the platform and they've got a drum set up here that looks just like the rock music crowd and they got an electric guitar up here that looks just like the rock music crowd and their singers look just like the world's crowd and they sing just like the world's crowd, then it has the appearance of evil. That should be pretty obvious that we shouldn't be listening to something that has the appearance of evil. Well, but they sing good words. Isn't it amazing? They, they supposedly sing a few good words every now and then, but they have tried really, really hard to look just like the world. So I wonder where their heart is. Huh? I wonder where their heart is. They haven't made any effort to look godly. They've made effort to look like the world. I wonder where their heart is. Does it have the sound or appearance of evil? Not only, not only the, the, the way some of these worship groups look, but look, this is one of the reasons why it is absolutely necessary. If you're going to sing on this platform in that choir or sing any special music, that you ought to be dressed decently and appropriately. Because you don't need to be standing up here with your skirt too tight and too short and you're walking your rear end up here and the guys are having to turn their head because you're appealing to their flesh. If you got to wiggle up here because you can't hardly move your legs, you probably shouldn't be up here. And if you step up here like that, I might be gracious, maybe, and let you finish if it's not really bad. But you'll never sing again. What, you didn't like that or what? Are you afraid to say amen or something? I thought this was an independent Baptist church. How come y'all turned into a bunch of non-denominationals all of a sudden? And the same thing goes for the guys. I don't want, I don't want some guy standing up here in his ripped jeans and his, his muscle-bound t-shirt and his slick back hair and his tattoo on his forearm of Jesus and his necklace around his neck, looking like the club singer singing about my Lord. Can I, can I just say something? I kind of get the feeling when we're all singing around the throne of God, we're not going to be dressed like a bunch of worldly idiots. You're not going to be standing up there, sister, with your tight-cut skirt and your low-cut top singing to the Lord in heaven. And brother, you're not going to be standing before God in your ripped jeans and your muscle-bound t-shirt showing off your guns for Jesus. Hogwash on that junk. Does it have the appearance or the sound of evil? But, how about another way to apply this? Alright, so you believe God has given you liberty to listen to certain kinds of music. Christian contemporary, southern gospel, or whatever else. I don't know what else. Alright? And... Let's say you pull up to a stoplight and you're listening to your music and somebody else pulls up next to you and they hear coming out of that car What are they going to think you're listening to? Huh? But it's all about God, huh? Huh? Or all they can hear is a bunch of country music sounding 
drum beats and a bunch of rock and roll sound and drum beats. They can't hear the lyrics, but the music sounds exactly like the world. Does it have the appearance of evil? Better believe it does. I'm amazed sometimes at some of the things that some people consider Christian music. And I mean, you don't hear the first couple notes before you're going, holy smokes, that's nothing but the world. And some Christians are violating their conscience and pushing that stuff out because they say God every now and then in the song. Well, no, this, this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 doesn't say music. It just says abstain from all appearance of evil. And if you're sitting in your car banging, banging to the music that's talking about Jesus and somebody pulls up next to you, what appearance do you have? What appearance is that? You're, you're, you're sitting in your car listening to your favorite Christian music. At every stoplight, is it really speaking to your spirit? <laughs> Hello? Y'all get quiet every now and then and I can't tell what's going on with you. I'll tell you what's going on. Some of you are under conviction. Some of you don't know what to think for some reason. Like, you've never heard anything like this before. One of the old timers used to say, you're sitting there looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. Like, huh? All right, lastly, I think we're mostly all on the same page. I don't know. I just got wound up for a second. Lastly, is it doctrinally correct? Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Well, we love to talk about that when it comes to the preachers. But some people listen to music that's so off doctrinally, and you're like, yeah, but I just it makes me feel good. And they are teaching you stuff that is contrary to the doctrines that you have learned, and you're supposed to mark them and avoid them. That right there in itself would cut out most all of the dumb stuff coming out of the so-called Christian worldly music. God told Timothy, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. And listen, some people are listening to stuff because it's a bunch of vain jangling and it has nothing to do with the Bible, but they say God and they say something spiritual and they talk about the Holy Spirit and we don't even care if it's biblically correct. As long as it makes us feel good. And as I said last week and one other or two other times, some Christians are getting their doctrine from music instead of their doctrine from the Bible, and it flies in the face of what the Bible really says, but it makes us feel better. And there are so many confused Christians today who are listening to some music artist instead of listening to the preacher and instead of listening to their Bible, and they sit in a church service and they get angry about something the preacher said because that's not what that song is that I love. That's not what that song says. And because they have some church that backs them up and uses them, everybody thinks it's okay. This, this came in the mail, maybe yesterday, I don't know, but I got it today. Here, inspiring testimonies of costly... 
Hear inspiring testimonies of costly faith from four courageous women. And that's, I don't, whatever, I don't know the women. And down here, worship music by Michael W. Smith. And here he is. With the smolder. Oh, no, I'm sorry, he's grinning. And because some church that you follow lifts up Michael W. Smith, you don't care what Michael W. Smith says or what his background is or what he's all about. Just, you know, because that church promoted it, so it's probably okay, right? Is it doctrinally correct? Church, church we, as Christians, we have to be individually discerning enough to know what is doctrinally correct and what isn't by knowing our Bibles and letting the Holy Spirit of God lead us. Okay, so these are biblical music principles to apply in all of these different aspects. So, we're going to deal with those three as quickly as possible and go to the house. Um, when it comes to listening and singing, who is getting the attention? The singer... Or God. That matters. And if your favorite music artist is up there, and honestly, the way they sing and the way they dress, their whole object is to draw attention to themselves, then something's wrong. And you can tell when people are trying to draw attention to themselves by the way they dress and by the way they act and by the way that they move. And, you know, I mean, sometimes people are lifting up their hands genuinely to praise the Lord, and sometimes they're just doing it to make you look at them. And if you, if you pay attention and you have, you have some discernment, you can tell. Does it draw attention to the singer or to the Lord? Does it draw attention to the music or to the Lord? Is everybody okay? Because some songs are all about the music. And if you're honest with yourself, you, I said this last week, you wouldn't know what the words of that song are. It's just the music that gets to you. Well, that's something to pay attention to. Does it draw attention to the words or to the Lord? Hello? A good spiritually based song should draw your attention. And, and authors of music know how to do this how to use music to accentuate the words, or how to use music to just create a physical reaction. Are you with me? So let me ask you this question. You may not be expert enough, and I'm not always expert enough, to know whether or not music is drawing attention to the instruments or to the words, but you can hear it. Like, what am I getting out of this? Am I, am I actually being helped spiritually here? Or am I just feeling something? Is everybody okay? All right, next. So, uh, who is getting the attention? Is it the singer or is it God? Is it the music or is it God? Is it the words or is it God? Is everybody all right? Um, as a singer, can I say this? I know, she's sleeping good. Uh, as a singer, when you sing music, there are certain ways that you can sing that will draw attention to, to you. And things that come from a somewhat worldly background sometimes 
you have to be careful about, if you're a singer, when you're singing, doing certain things, making certain movements, using certain sounds that you know are nothing more than showboating. Because that means you're doing it out of pride and you're doing it to draw attention to you. So, um, some of you will understand what I'm saying if you're a singer. Uh, you have to be careful about sliding your voice. Vo voice now, is some of this okay? I think it is. But not to the extremes that you're doing it in order to draw attention to you. And you can tell when somebody's singing and the whole object of their singing is to try to make themselves sound really good. I'm not really going to try to demonstrate. I thought I might demonstrate, but I know it's just going to turn into a comedy show because I won't be able to do it like professional singers can. Frequent and, and obvious uh, note changes can be used to try to draw attention to you and to your voice and how good your music and singing is. Again, I thought I would try to demonstrate, but I'm checking out again. I don't know that I necessarily believe that it's wrong to stand up and sing and use some voice fluctuation. And, 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 and I, think it's, I think it's nice when somebody can change notes quickly and, and, and sing it crisply. I think it's, it's okay every now and then to do a little voice slide. Now, that's just my personal opinion. Some would say, especially in the country music realm, I mean, they specifically slide their voices uh, to try to draw attention to how awesome that they are. Look, um, I think it ought to be if it's going to be done, I think it ought to be done naturally, not in a showy way. And if that just happens to be your personality. For some people, it's the way that they grew up. It's just naturally the way that they sing. And I don't want to steal their personality out of their singing just because I think if you don't sing in this cookie-cutter way, you're not right with God. I don't want to do that. It takes the personality away from music, and I believe in some ways can, and I'll get into this here in just a second, it can, I believe, quench the, the, the Spirit of God if we get too formal and too stuffy. I'm tempted to use names, but um, without hearing it. And I considered playing for you some, some music where you could hear it, but um, the differences, but I just I decided not to for a couple reasons. But who's getting the attention? You know if you're using your voice to draw attention to yourself or if you're using it to sing the words of the song to draw attention to God. Listen, this is not only for the singer, it's also for the instrumentalist. The instrumentalist can play any instrument in a way that is worldly and draws attention to worldly philosophies and, 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 and identifies with a worldly way or in a way that is honoring and glorifying to the Lord. Um, I'm skipping a whole lot because, because some of it's very repetitive. All of these principles can be applied to the kind of music that you listen to, the kind of music that you sing, uh, or the way that you sing, and the kind of music that you sing, uh, the kind of music that you play, and so on and so forth. Um, oh, there's so much I want to say. Lord, how much, how much do I deal with here? Some would ask what type of instruments are okay. Now, we know some things are obvious, right? Like the guitar, the piano, 
things like that. We use those here, the banjo, violin, things like that. Um, but, but some instruments kind of have a, mm, is that one okay? And part of it is because of the way that they identify with the world and how the world uses them. So I mentioned earlier, certain types of drum sets. We, we don't need a rock band drum set in the church. Now last week I made, the, I made the example that if we were to start an orchestra, and I hope you understand that's what I meant. If we were to ever start like a classical orchestra, not a band, there is a difference. If we were to ever start a classical orchestra, and we've got you know, uh, a, 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 a trumpet and a flute and a violin and, and you know, I don't know, uh, whatever. Are there certain drums that can be used in a classical orchestra setting that are not used in a rock concert setting? And can they be played in a, in a way that is glorying and honor, uh, glorifying and honoring to God and in a way that is not appealing to the flesh or drawing attention to the music itself? Absolutely. So if we were to ever start an orchestra, and let's say we sat them over here and we've got our flute and our trumpet and our, I don't know what else, all the other wind instruments, and, and you've got a few stringed instruments, and, and then you put a percussion over there, would there be anything innately wrong with a couple of percussion instruments? No. Not if they're played okay. Not if they're played in the right way. Man, y'all get so, you really don't know what to think about that, do you? But if you take that same drum set and attach a bass foot pedal to it and you put a couple of cymbals on either side and you put a big glass thing around it and you have some guy back there in his long hair getting your back big going, tuh, tuh, tuh. All right, now we got issues. Okay, can I be honest with you? First, first Sunday, I, first Sunday uh, that I saw this, not long after we came, actually, actually, maybe when we were visiting, we show up, and Brooke is sitting here playing her bass guitar, and I went. Huh. Uh, then we've had some specials where Brother Elisha might play a bass guitar or somebody else. Um, I didn't grow up with that. Now, y'all have done that, I guess. Um, it was happening when I got here. So I sat and, and considered it. All right. One. Some bass guitars do look like electric guitars. Okay, all of them. And, um, and they have that appearance of the world. And when those things were first coming on the scene in that shape, they were meant to mimic what would have been a floor-standing bass, like in an orchestra or, or, or in uh, a, a bluegrass group or, or whatever. It was the same sound, it was just being held in a different way. Are you with me? But when they were first, when they, when they were first brought on the scene, they had the appearance of a rock and roll guitar. And we all know what a rock and roll guitar looks like, a, an electric rock and roll guitar. They have that same shape. Do I believe it quenches the Holy Spirit of God to use a bass guitar? No, I don't. If it's used the right way. Now, if Brother Elisha gets up here and he starts playing his bass guitar and he's in the middle of the song and he starts using it to accentuate the backbeat and he starts moving with it, now we got issues. Um, 
don't know, Brother Elisha, can you do that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> now, if you take that same sound and you have somebody standing up here with a floor standing bass and they're just strumming it and picking it, it has the same general sound and it does the same general thing. Mm, real gray area for me. Real gray area. I was a little more conservative than that when it came to music in the church. But don't get me wrong. I am not preaching against uh, Brother Elisha or Miss Brooke or anybody else. I'm just saying we have to be very, very careful. Um, and I'm seeing some interesting things here. <laughs> I don't know when that started. We maybe need to have some conversations here. But anyway, um, Is there anything wrong with hooking a, an acoustic electric guitar up to a speaker system? You know, for a while, when I was a kid, some people used to say, if the guitar plugs into the sound system, it's electric and you can't use it. Well, I mean, what's the purpose of the technology? It's really just to put the guitar over the speaker so that you can hear it better. Now, yes, if the guitar plugs in and you put some reverb on it and you're, wee, 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 now we hit, no, right? Different story altogether. Yes? But if you've got an acoustic guitar that has what we call a pickup in it, which is a microphone inside of the guitar that can then send that sound over the sound system and a guy plugs it in, is that in itself biblically incorrect? I don't believe so. I don't think it quenches the Holy Spirit to be able to hear the guitar better. But man, if we're not careful, we start getting picky about stuff and we're like, well, I don't know. Their instruments are plugging into the sound system. I think it's worldly. Well, I don't know. How does it sound? You know, How are they playing it? Instruments can be played in the right way or the wrong way. Um, and with the right spirit or the wrong spirit. Christian, if you are singing or playing, sing with the right spirit. Sing with the spirit to glorify God and to bring attention to the words of the song and to bring attention to the doctrines and to bring attention to Him, not to you, and you're okay. And if while you're doing, in my opinion, if while you're doing that, your voice moves a little bit, in my opinion, it's not the end of the world. But if the whole song is nothing but voice movement, we all know what that is. All right. I need to, I need to wrap it up. Are there types of music that the Christian can listen to that aren't Christian? In my opinion, yes. Um, somebody asked a great question last week. Brother uh, Tracy came to me out of a genuine heart and said, Preacher, after your lesson tonight, or after your message tonight, I guess I never really give lessons you all say after you preach tonight, so um, I guess it's all preaching, which I'm not against. Uh, I'm kind of glad to know that. He said, after your message tonight, after you preach tonight, he said, I have a question. He said, I just started teaching the kids in junior church a, a song, um, and we heard about it, actually, the previous Sunday. If I had any concern, I would have talked to him about it. 
Um, Levi, was, we always, when we sit down on Sunday afternoons, we always ask our kids, hey, what did you get out of church today? Uh, you know, did you get anything out of Sunday school? And sometimes it's just funny, right? Like some of us can't remember what we heard 10 minutes ago, right? So sometimes we all just laugh about it like, uh, I don't, oh, yeah. yeah. And we do really try to, yeah, you can always say God, you know, the Bible, right? So, you know, sometimes we just laugh with each other like, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, can, can you come back to me on that one? You know, we all know, right? It's human. It happens. Um, but, but, but Levi was talking about junior church. He was, he was having so much fun. He said, uh, Brother Tracy or somebody was teaching a song um, with different words to take me out to the ball game. And, but I think it was something like take me to the church or take me on the church bus or something like that. What was it, Brother Tracy? Take me over to church. So um, he's teaching them this, this new song, and Levi was enjoying it, and he, he started trying to sing it, but then he was like, I don't remember all the words. So Brother Tracy came to me and said, Preacher, I just want to know, um, are, are you okay with that? After you preach tonight, I just want to be sure. I love that spirit. I think it's, it's wonderful. He didn't have to say a word to me. But he wanted to come and make sure that everything was okay, that, that he was following my desires and my wishes for the ministry. I love that. I, I, I thank him for that. Um, well, is it okay to sing, take me out to the ball game? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? I mean, does it violate any biblical principles? I don't think so. Now, if it, you know, take me out to the ball game and get me a beer, that's a different story, right? Now we're violating some biblical principles. Um, is it wrong to listen to Christmas music? I, I mean, what is the Christmas music saying? You know, I mean, I don't know. Is there some Christmas music out there that's just full of the world and full of the flesh? I'm sure there is. No, I don't listen to the Biebs on Christmas music, right? Okay, I don't do that. Justin Bieber. Okay, for those of you that don't know. Um, the Biebs. You all don't call him that? Uh, no, I don't listen to Justin Bieber Christmas, okay? You know, I, no. So I, I have no clue what's out there. I'm sure there's stuff out there that is no good. I'm sure of it. Well, of course I, I you know, of course I know because um, I, I hear it, you know, in the stores around Christmas time, you know, just like the rest of it. So, like, yeah, of course, there's, I'm remembering now. But, you know, I mean, is there anything wrong with White Christmas? The song, I mean, you know. Um, And I know some churches would be like, yeah, but if it's not from the Bible, you can't listen to it. <sighs> but here's the problem. Your people still do. They just hide it from you. Is there anything wrong with listening to... Brother David was, was teasing me last week about a couple things. And I won't mention one of them because I thought it was funny. We'll just leave that between he and I. But he said, I love listening to classical music. Nothing wrong with classical music. I mean, for the most part. Now, you can get into some classical music that was written with demonic intention. You really can. So, I mean, just because it's classical doesn't mean it's good. Just like if it says it's Christian doesn't mean it's good, right? But can you listen to... Sure, I think you can. Some of you are wondering now what. I'll tell you what. Um, at least one song that I know uh, that was considered classical. Um, anyway, is it okay to listen to some bluegrass? I don't know. What are the words? How's it being sung? What's it about? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, sure. If it's okay. 
Is, is everybody okay? I mean, you know, let's use our own discernment here. As a Christian, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I believe extremes on both sides can lead to quenching the Holy Spirit. I believe when you get too formal and too stuffy, some people, you know, I, I, I got to be done. Oh, my soul. I grew up in a family and with a pastor, my dad, who was very clear on all of these things and taught, I think, just about everything that I'm, that I'm teaching this evening. And we were careful with our music, but we weren't stuffy. We tried to let the Holy Spirit lead and, and let people sing with their own personality. And then I heard some teaching over the years that basically, you know, I grew up in West Virginia. And then I heard some teaching over the years that basically, after I moved away from West Virginia, that basically, if you don't sing formal opera style, classical style, it's probably not right with God. But then I listen to some of those opera singers, and they're shaking their voice, and they're hitting their, their falsetto notes, and I'm going, they're just as showy as some of the other people are. Why does that make it more godly just because they're singing formal, trained music? I don't think it does. I think you can showboat just as much with opera as you can with anything. And I, th I thank God I didn't grow up in a church that quenched the spirit with music, but you know, I've been told that there were movements that basically said, this is the cookie-cutter type of music you have to fall in, and if you don't, then you're not right with God. And as a result, it started quenching the Holy Spirit of God in some of our music services because churches were listening to some of that kind of teaching and wouldn't allow themselves to sing with their own personality. And you cannot take a northern church and, and force upon it a southern style of singing and music. And you cannot take a southern church and force upon it a northern style of singing and music and say to either one of them, if you don't sing this way, you're not right with God, and if you don't sing that way, you're not right with God. Hogwash! If it falls within the biblical parameters, it's okay to have personality in music. I think you can quench the spirit if you don't allow that. Okay, i got to be done. Are we giving room for the Spirit of God to lead and work? I don't believe there is a cookie-cutter music style. There are differences between churches and regions. The spirit can be quenched with either extreme, whether it's too loose or too tight. I believe the Holy Spirit of God can be quenched in either case. Different tastes can fall within biblical parameters and everything still be okay. I wouldn't personally do this. I'm closing up shop with this illustration. I wouldn't personally do this. I'm not comfortable with it. But... Brother uh, Tony Hudson, uh, son of Curtis Hudson. I've talked about Brother Curtis Hudson before. Brother Curtis Hudson was one of the greatest preachers on grace and truth, uh, on salvation and things of that nature, but also just one of the greatest preachers I ever heard. Uh, I believe filled with the Spirit of God when he would preach. Uh, his son, Tony Hudson, powerful preacher, but very different. His dad was an eloquent-spoken Georgia boy that you wouldn't know was from Georgia when you'd hear him preach. His son is a hick. And Brother Tony Hudson embraces his hickness. And he's this big towering figure. I don't know if he's my height, 6'2", 6 6'4", 6 something like that, but he's like 350 pounds, and he is solid. Used to be a power lifter. God called him to preach. He got right with the Lord, and, and he's this big imposing figure that has this high-pitched voice. 
And he came to a conference one year, and as a part of his message, he was talking about the differences within churches and the differences within Christians and how that we ought to embrace our own personalities that God gave us and created us with and how that that doesn't mean you're quenching the Holy Spirit if this person is different from that person. And he said, y'all listen, you wouldn't think that this is biblical up here, up north at, at Northwest Bible Baptist Church where I was going to college in, in Elgin, Illinois. They have a much more formal music style. Now, Brother Gomez would bring in bluegrass gospel groups on a regular basis, and sometimes he'd say he was doing it just to hair lip the Pharisees. He'd say that from the pulpit. He'd say, he'd say some of y'all think that you have to sing a certain way in order to be right with God. He said, I'm going to bring these people in just to hair lip the rest of you. But a, very, a much more formal, classical, trained type music program up there. Are you with me? Brother Tony Hudson, he's in um, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, or somewhere in that area. And he said, y'all aren't going to like this. I know some of you are going to think I'm not right with God. He said, but in our church, we have symbols. Now, I don't know, I don't, maybe, it's not, maybe the term isn't symbols. I, I don't know, but, but that's the word that came to mind when I was thinking about this. I think it's symbols. But the, those, those percussion instruments that have like, they're not bells, but like, a tambourine. Thank you. He said, in our church we have tambourines. And he says, look, I've studied out biblically some of the instruments that are mentioned in the Bible, and that's why this study could go on and on and on and on and on. Some of the instruments that are studied in the Bible, uh, he, said, he said one of them is very similar, if not identical, to a modern tambourine. And he said, some of y'all get the idea that when, when David came into the, 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 into the city after battle and they were singing about how David has slain his tens of thousands and Saul his thousands, that he must have come into some orchestra music. He said, but the kind of music that would have been traditional to the Jewish culture back then would have probably included instruments much like the tambourines. And he said they would have been shaking them and beating them against their hand and they would have been, oh, dancing? Not the way that dancing is considered today, but a rejoicing kind of a dancing. A leaping and a shouting and a rejoicing kind of a dancing. Is everybody okay? David danced. The Bible says that he did. He said, sitting under my chair, every Sunday morning, I have my own, what was it, tambourine? My own tambourine. He said, it's custom made. And he said, sometimes in the church service, come over here too so you can see. He said, sometime in the church service, when the Spirit of God moves, I reach under there and grab my tambourine and I just shake it and, and pat it with the song. And he said, we really get with it in our music services. Now he said, if some of you were to come to our music services, you would think you had just stepped into something from another world. And he said, if you think that's against the, word, the will of God and the Word of God, then that's your prerogative. But don't come in here telling me how to worship God when I've studied the Word of God and I believe this to be biblically accurate and we enjoy that kind of stuff and we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. We're just rejoicing in the Lord. And I think he's right. Now, I cannot go out and get myself my own tambourine and start shaking it and hitting it. I, I could not do that. It's not me. And, and probably not you either. But... What I'm saying is we need to give room for the Spirit of God to lead and work. 
And if you're not careful, you'll sit over there and the Spirit of God is speaking to everybody else's heart but yours because somebody played something a little different than you like. It wasn't biblically incorrect. It's just not your flavor. And you'll sit there with a hard heart and a stiff neck and... And the Spirit of God's moving, but not with you. I'm not talking about looseness here. If you think that's what I just did, would you please go back and listen to the entire message? Because some people will only listen, they'll only remember this one thing I'm saying, and they'll say, that preacher, that preacher, I can't believe it. He's going liberal, and he's talking about just, just letting the Spirit of God lead whatever you feel like you ought to do, you ought to do it. I'm not going to church here anymore. You missed the entire study. I'm saying if it falls within biblical parameters and it doesn't violate biblical principles, I think we ought to be able to have some personality in the way we sing. I think you ought to be able to have some personality in the kind of music that you listen to. If you don't like classical music, you don't have to listen to classical music. And I'm not going to tell you that's the only kind of music you can listen to in order to be right with God. But I do think there are some clear biblical principles that we all ought to be applying to the things we listen to, the ways that we sing, and the ways that we play. Is everybody okay? Y'all, music matters. The kind of music you listen to matters. And if, if you're listening to stuff that feeds the flesh more than the Spirit, shut it off. Get right with God. Enjoy the right kind of music. Don't be afraid to have your own personality. My wife didn't like bluegrass music. Still doesn't, really. I love it. That's okay. doesn't mean I'm right with God or she's right with God. It's just different personalities. I'm talking about bluegrass gospel. Is everybody okay? Music in the Christian life. I hope these give us some practical parameters to abide by in our personal lives as a church so that the Holy Spirit of God can continue to work. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please use this invitation time. We, <laughs> Lord, we want our music here at your church to be right. Lord, we know it doesn't have to fit the format of another ministry. But we do know that it needs to fit the format of your book. I pray that you would please impress upon the heart of your people to have the right music in their lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed,